Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Danielle McCartney. handoff from the Brooklyn Nets post-game show there. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 6 p.m. on this short show on a Sunday afternoon. It is Danielle at Sunday dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. Thanks to Tim Capstraw and Chris Carino for that handoff. That alley-oop. I'm going to slam it home now. Hey, listen, whatever you're doing at the, at the moment, maybe you're on your way home from that game. I appreciate you tuning into the show. We've got Paul Rosenberg on the ones and twos. <laughs> And uh, listen, uh, we'll talk some Yankees, we'll talk some Mets, we'll cram it all in. And of course, Knicks and Nets, if you know the number, you want to give us a call, 877-337-6666. We'll load them up with your best content, most well thought out, takes only, please and thank you, all right? So let's get right into that game. Maybe you're heading home from the game, it was in Brooklyn. If you're a Jersey person like I am, listen, you're probably on the way home. Maybe you're stuck in traffic. It was a thriller in Brooklyn, that's for sure. The Nets ultimately beat the Knicks 110-107, and the game was as exciting as an intercity, or is it intra? I never, I always mix that up. But as an, I think it's inter, intercity game as that could be. Like, I think it was like 1.8 seconds remaining in the game, and the Knicks had an actual chance to tie it up with a three-pointer. Like, they, they had a chance. R.J. Barrett did the football pass way down court. Julius Randle up and over the defenders, and it went right through his hands. So what I would do if I were Tom Thibodeau in practice, I would say, hey, I'd set, I would set up the jugs machine. I'd adjust it so a basketball can go through it, and I'd be like, dude, you're catching every one of these every single time. Let's go. How does that ball go through his hands like that? But ultimately, before that happened, ultimately for the Knicks, they were doomed, doomed by a costly turnover on an inbound pass. And that's all she wrote for the Knicks. And, you know, the Knicks did hang in there. When you saw that the Nets opened the game with an 11-0 run, you maybe thought as a Knicks fan, well, this is going to be a long day. But in a way, you know, it kind of was, in a way. Because every single Knicks player, every single Knicks starter, let me correct myself, every single Knicks starter, was in the minus category in the plus minus. Every one of them. That's just so, like, absolutely brutal. Plus minus for Julius Randle, negative, minus three. Mitchell Robinson, minus 17. Alec Burks, minus 14. Fournier, minus 16. Barrett, minus two. I mean, dude, what are you doing out there? I look at a guy like Miles McBride. Miles McBride, who people on this show of mine have been calling for Every single time I'm on, they want to see more of him. He operated with a plus 13. Plus 13. He was the second most efficient Nick on the floor today. And yet, he was only used for 11 total minutes. Like I just, I don't understand. And yet, the Knicks still had a chance that was spoiled by a... By a turnover, let's just call it that, a a bad turnover on an inbound pass. And then, of course, you look on the other side. If you're taking the Nets' point of view, we are the Nets radio network. Kevin Durant. Oh, boy. Steve Nash said, Kevin was unbelievable. He obviously carried us. He was Kevin Durant on full display. 
Now, if you're a Housewives of New Jersey fan, you might conjure up Melissa Gorga here on display, on display. But Kevin Durant asserted his superstardom through double team after double team right there on the national stage. He finished with 53 points, which is the second highest total in his entire career. You just heard that. And he said, after the game, he told Malika Andrews, I'm glad we could beat the Knicks in our house on a Sunday. Total downplay. I mean, really. He, he said, I just tried to go with the flow and, and do what's required of me. I didn't want us to get stagnant on the offensive side of the ball. So what he did was he put up the second most points ever in a single game in his entire career, 53. The fourth most highest points scored by any player in the NBA so far this season. And, oh, he just set a new record for the highest scoring game for a net against the Knicks all time. All time. The last bar was set, in case you're curious, John Williams in 1978. And Kevin Durant did it with no Seth Curry. And Durant said he didn't even know Curry wasn't going to play until they announced the starting lineups. He did it with no Kyrie Irving. And let's transition to how weird that is. How bizarre is the fact that Kyrie Irving gets to go to as a spectator to watch a game, his own team play. Let's just put that out there. He has to watch his own team play like a fan. Now, if you're a listener to the show, you know my feelings on Kyrie Irving and the the um the vaccination thing. But at this point, this it's ridiculous. And, you know, Kyrie Irving, according to Malika Andrews, said that he actually had to pay for those courtside seats. Kyrie Irving had to pay for seats. Let me, let me get this straight. Kyrie Irving, number 11 on the Brooklyn Nets, had to pay for his own courtside seats to watch his own team play in New York. Malik Andrews said he had to buy the tickets. So can you imagine? Can you imagine if those are your tickets? You've got them for sale on the secondary market, whatever site you use, and you get an email that says, "Hey, your tickets are sold." You're like, "Oh, cool." So me, ah, uh, curious. I would look and I would say, "Oh, well, okay. Who bought them?" And then you see the email address, Irving11 at gmail.com. You're like, "Whoa, wait a second. Kyrie Irving just bought my tickets." I'm trying to make this into like a spin of a little bit of a. A little bit of a joke here, but it's not really. You know, besides all that that we just talked about, Kyrie Irving was allowed to sit there with his teammates in the locker room at halftime. Oh, wait, 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 wait what are we doing here? I, I don't understand. I, I, and Steve Nash said, he said, it doesn't really affect us. We're used to stuff like that. We just tried to stay focused. Okay. Well, that's the political answer. Kevin Durant, here's what he, he took, took a totally different tone. He called out the mayor directly. And Durant, he said, it's ridiculous. I don't understand that at all. I don't get it. At this point now, someone's trying to make a statement to flex their authority, obviously implying the mayor of New York City. He, he, I didn't get the direct quote, but I paraphrased it, that the mayor's looking for attention. And Durant said, are they looking for our safety? Eric, you got to figure this out. Well, Eric Adams, if you're listening, 
877-337-6666 is the number to call. Let's sort this out right now, Eric Adams. How does a guy, a player like Kyrie Irving, well, not how, because we all know how, but why? Why? Can you explain why, Eric Mayer, Mr. Mayor Eric Adams, can you explain why Kyrie Irving is allowed to pay for seats to watch his own team play? Kyrie Irving is allowed to enter the locker room at halftime while his team plays. Yet he can't play in the actual game. Listen, my feelings on Kyrie Irving have also evolved. And it's time for the guy to be able to take the court. Uh, uh, The home court. It's just ridiculous. So, hey, there it is. Kevin Durant called out the mayor by name. And unfortunately, that is the biggest storyline coming out of this game is that Kyrie Irving when he was introduced in the second quarter, had to go out and be introduced to the fans, not as a starter for the Brooklyn Nets, but as a fan sitting across from his team on the bench, uh, um, uh, on the on the courtside seats, watching like you, me, and the, and the rest of everybody sitting in that arena. Enough is enough. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Siri, play WFAN. Hey, welcome back to McCartan. Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan. Listen, um, here's your RSVP. Are you here? Are you tuned in? Are you ready to go? I'm Danielle at dinner time on the fan in New York City. And um, listen, uh, as far as the Nets are concerned, when you call me up today, we are not going to pretend to be infectious disease scientists on the phones. You'll get dumped right away. Okay. We are really just trying to figure out the logic. Now, now follow me here. We're trying to figure out the logic of why an unvaccinated player has to sit in courtside seats that he had by himself to watch his own team play in his own arena among fans that could potentially be unvaccinated themselves. Why a guy who has to do all that and gets to go and, and, and be in the locker room at halftime, a paying fan. How do I sign up for that plan? I want to be a paying fan that gets to go into the locker room at halftime and on the court after the game. Can I, can I, can I get that? I mean, and the other thing, too, from a Nick point of view, I mean, the Knicks starters were absolutely atrocious today. I mean, I mean, Mitchell Robinson, the worst of all of them, a minus 17. How inefficient is that? And then you guys got guys like like uh, Jericho Sims coming off the bench, 23 minutes. He's got a plus, you know, plus minus plus 20. Miles McBride, plus 13. OK, Tom Thibodeau, the the age old thing of, hey, they have to earn their playing time. But wait a minute. Those two guys that I just mentioned, Sims and McBride, they were leaps and bounds above any of the other guys that took the floor today. So my question to Tom Thibodeau and Knicks fans is, what what, what has to give? What has to give? <laughs> I got a tweet from Random Stuff 919. He said, I hope everyone in the East Coast or via radio apps is listening to Coach McCartan at dinner time. She's on point right now. Don't get her started on the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, way too late. That's right. 
877-337-6666. Bill in Brooklyn was at the game. Bill, tell us about it. Danielle, thanks for taking the call. Oh, thanks for making Listen, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you. what I, I'm, up, I'm with my nephew, Owen, by the way. We're driving home from the game. Hi, Owen. Uh, Hi. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to explain to you. There is no logic to this. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I think yeah. Eric Adams' logic is. Let's, is let's try it. <laughs> if he lets if he lets Kyrie Irving play, he's gonna have to in his mind he's gonna have to bring back all these employees that he let go, who didn't get vaccinated. Yeah, and that's what he thinks in his head. Mm. So I mean, maybe KD calling them out is gonna help this out. And and uh, and and you guys on the airways, I've had this discussion with Keith McPherson a couple of times. And Keith thinks he was coming back. I figured that this Adams was going to pull this, and he did. And that's what, that's what his logic is. Adam Silver was on ESPN a couple of weeks ago. At some point, you may have to get Adam Silver involved because this, this is a mandate. This is not a law. Right. So if you violate the mandate, I mean, at this point, all Joe Sy has invested in this team, it's a fine. He's not going to get arrested. Nobody's going to tackle him. It's a... It's a fine. Yeah, at this point, right, Bill, good point. At this point, you're like, all right, let's 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 weigh the fines here. I mean, I wonder how much those those courtside seats for Nick's next game cost. Why didn't Kyrie Irving just put that money to, to play and play, pay the fine? Well, I think at this point, Adam Silver won't let him because because the mandate from the NBA is that you got to follow the, the city's mandate. But even Adam Silver has come out now and said it's ridiculous. So now maybe the NBA needs to get a medical expert to say, you know what? We're making a determination. Nobody's in danger. If the mayor's not going to lift the mandate, we're going to pay the fine, and we're going to let the guy play. Yeah. It's really could, it really is in the NBA's hands if, if, if Adams doesn't want to do anything about it. Yep, yep. Bill, great point there, and, that, and that's what it is. At some point, it's going, to get, it's going to come to a head. At some point, it's going to come to a head. Right? And listen, I'm a teacher, New Jersey. I am vaccinated. I am boosted. I understand the severity of all of it. I do. I get it. All of it. Every bit of it, I understand. And that's kind of why my, I'm kind of surprised myself that my, my stance has changed on this. I mean, at this point, let the guy play. At this point, just let the guy play. Matt and Red Bank's on the fan. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, how you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are um, you, Matt? I'm good. I'm actually a registered nurse, so I've seen all sorts of inconsistencies regarding vaccination and Mm -hmm. rules and mandates and stuff changing day to day. Um, I think it really comes down to people who have dug their feet in in the past don't want to admit they're wrong. Now, what I heard on the radio from Kevin Durant, I was actually very happy to hear. Um, Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant's a huge star, and I think eventually when the majority becomes so overwhelming in a situation like this and the, I, I guess, the court of public opinion becomes louder and louder this is when people you know in power makes changes and did you hear that in major league baseball in canada you have to be vaccinated to play so if the yankees yes. or, the, or the red sox go to toronto as of right now they can't play in the home games and i kind of heard that a lot of yankees and red sox uh, haven't been vaccinated. i was just about so to say that yep Yep. I think the tide's going to start to turn. I mean, the fact that such a star opened his mouth and maybe he went a little too hard, I'm not going to touch that one. Right. But, uh, you know, I think you kind of need stuff like that every now and again. So uh, I just wanted to hang up and listen to the rest of your show. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And thanks for, uh, you know, doing God's work there over there. Uh, you know, 
being a registered nurse and stuff. And I know you don't get a lot of respect at times. So thank you for that. Uh, but listen, here's the quote that, that he just mentioned. There, Kevin Durant, after the game, said, It's ridiculous. I don't understand it at all. I don't get it. At this point now, somebody's trying to make a statement to flex their authority. Are they looking for our safety? Eric, as in Eric Adams. Eric, you got to figure this out. Eric Adams, you know, let's see. You know the number. I'm sure you listen to the radio station. Let's try and figure this out. Let's do it. Mike in Staten Island, you're up next on The Fan. How you doing, Danielle? What's up, Mike? I work for a company in Brooklyn, New York, and my human resources department is in Washington State. They give, they give the, the exemption. He doesn't work for the city. Why, why isn't the Nets giving him a, a religious or a health exemption? The city doesn't control that for him. Yeah, they, Mike, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know the answer. Lawyers working on it? I, I don't understand. Do they have lawyers working on this, or is he just okay in it? Listen, Mike, I don't know. I See, I don't know the ins and outs of this. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what I do know is a guy should not have to pay for a seat in his own building to watch his own team play. That's it. David in Summit, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, I've been watching Kyrie Irving since he was at St. Patrick's and Elizabeth in high school. Yeah. Um, there's a word called karma out there. Um, everywhere Kyrie Irving has, has gone, he's caused a problem. Which is he's true. Caused an issue. He brought this on himself. He chose not to get vaccinated, which is perfectly fine. He mm-hmm. doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. But I don't care if he buys a ticket or not. I could care less. Wherever he goes, he's been a poison everywhere. That is true. He brought this on, he brought this on himself. Let him sit the rest of the season. Let the Nets get knocked out. I could care less. I am so tired of the prima donnas of the world saying, woe is me. And now he's bringing it upon himself to try and get the compassion of the crowd. But Are you kidding me? Dave, David, he, 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 uh, in a way, and I'm like you, right? I, I am like you in that, in that thought process. But my thought process now is like, well, wait a second. Why is the why? Just why? I mean, p- kids are allowed. In, but but kids are, are but, but kids are allowed. Society. But kids are allowed in schools without being vaccinated with no masks. I, I mean, like people are allowed to roam freely again, vaccinated Listen, or not, whatever, without masks. Whatever, all I'm saying is, whatever the government set up at the time when COVID was an issue, right? Which we all believed at the time was appropriate, right? You know. That's life. And if the government in charge chooses to make a change, Eric Adams can change it if he wants to. The health commission can change it if they want to. Right. But until they deem it's appropriate, exactly. we don't know that this is not going to come back next fall. We have no idea. You know, more than likely, COVID will be back next year in a different form and a different Well, fashion. David, that's where I cut you off because you are not an infectious disease expert. Sorry. We don't know that. That is something we don't know. We go with the numbers, right? Follow the numbers right now. The city is opened up. Open up the Barclays Center for Kyrie Irving. I mean, really. Robbie and Lennox, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. How thanks for making it. Good. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. You know, the, the Knicks game, I'll talk about it in a second. But, uh, you know, as far as this whole Kyrie Irving situation is, you know me, I'm not a fan of Kyrie Irving. I think he's a jerk yep. for doing what he did. But at this point, you know, where is Adam Silver and all this, yeah. uh, Danielle? I don't right. understand it. It's so hypocritical. That means that a guy from Cleveland can come in unvaccinated, play in Brooklyn, but the team, you know, uh, like the Nets can't have their player playing at the same time. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And how many times on ABC today do I need to see a shot of Kyrie Irving stand, sitting in the stands? Yeah. Like, like it was like, I mean, like he was doing a personal appearance on television without actually saying anything. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? 
Anyway, as far as the game is concerned, I, you know, Julius Randle is going to drive me absolutely bananas. Yep. I mean, your four guys are standing around. Randle keeps dribbling and dribbling, and finally turns the ball over. Yep. They can't double team Durant. Tell me all the guys besides Durant that are big time scorers right now for the Nets that are playing. How about hardly anybody? Mm. He scores fifty, what fifty three points today. They find no way to double team him. They have Evan Fournier on him, who stinks. And I love the play at the end with thirteen seconds left. What is Fournier doing in the corner? Yeah. Why is in the league? Or why is not RJ Barrett have the ball in his hands? That's what I was wondering. Right. right. Right, who drives to the basket with any consistency, and I give him credit for not trying to shoot threes all the time, taking the ball to the hole, trying to get to the line, or trying to stuff the ball, whatever he was doing, getting the lay-in. But I mean, what was ridiculous is 2.8 seconds left. You've got to you've got to shoot the ball intentionally and not try to shoot that ball into the basket with a foul shot with 2.8 seconds. I have no idea what team it was thinking. Yeah. What is R.J. Barrett thinking, Daniel? Anyway, I'll get yep. your comments on it. But yeah. really, I, Robbie, it's just, it's just yeah, terrible. Great point so. there, and you got you got R.J. Barrett inbounding the ball. R.J. Barrett, who's been your best, most steady point scorer over the past, oh, I don't know, week at least, he's the guy throwing the ball inbounds. He's the guy doing it. I, I don't understand that. I mean, I, I get the, the, the inbound pass to Randall. I do. But then at that point, it's almost got to be like that John Morant play from last week that we talked about. The, the catch and pass. The John Morant catch and pass all in one jump. And that pass, had had that happened, that pass should have gone to R.J. Barrett, who should have been waiting, hands out, waiting for the ball, jump, shoot, done. I mean, that was the play. He took a timeout to draw up that play, if I'm not mistaken. I, I got a lot going on in here. Had the TV on, but didn't Tom Thibodeau take a timeout to draw that up? I mean... R.J. Barrett is the guy inbounding the ball? I don't get that. I don't understand that. He was, R.J. Barrett, of the starters, he was the least, least effective of the starters. And, you know, you're giving the ball to Julius Randle. Julius Randle, who thinks, we talked about this last night, Julius Randle, who thinks he's a point guard, bringing the ball up as if he was a point guard. I mean... Again, it happens more often than not that it it, it it has to be something that's designed. It has to be. And my question is, why? Why? Why is that? That Julius Randle, when you've got a guy like Emmanuel Quickly, when you've got a guy like R.J. Barrett even, or even o- Obi Toppin, add him in there. Or, hey, Miles McBride, give the kid a shot. Why are those guys not handling the ball down the court? Why is Julius Randle not posting up on the blocks? It's just it's just baffling to me. So this is this is interesting because we got both sides here. We got the Nets who won the game, 110 to 107, and we've got the Knicks who lost the game by 3 points and they had a chance and they had a chance. And right now, again, if the season ended today, the Knicks would be out of it and the Nets would be on to Toronto, well, onto a series with Toronto. And again, that raises the question of whether or not Kyrie Irving will be able to play or not. Mayor Eric Adams, you're on the clock. If you're listening, 877-337-6666. Everybody else, we'll talk some baseball coming up. Yankees baseball, Mets baseball. Hey, the Yankees made a big move. Did you hear it? The, the initials of that guy are T.L. Tim LaCastro. Is that what you want to hear, Yankee fans? Got an update for 
Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Hey, welcome back to McCartan. Before midnight, Danielle at dinner time. How about Danielle at Sunday dinner time here on The Fan in New York City? This is your RSVP. You're tuned in, whether that be at 101.9 FM, 660 AM, or you're listening across the United States or the world on the app. Welcome back. Hey, we uh, time flies when you're having fun. We have an hour left of the show before Selection Sunday comes your way, as you just heard from Greg. So, you know, today was the official day for players to report in uniform, uh, baseball players, that is. And, of course, we'll continue the, the Knicks next talk. The Knicks seem to be, I got a tweet from uh, Paul in Floral Park, and he said, Danielle, it's almost time to bring out your trumpet because the Knicks look like they're cooked. In due time, Paul, in due time. Kevin Durant has the second best game of his entire career, and we're left talking about why Kyrie Irving had to buy a ticket to sit and watch his own team play in his own home court. Got some, t- a couple people have already tweeted the mayor, Mayor Adams, if you're listening, go ahead. You know the number. So today was the first day baseball players got to report in uniform, and, and I felt like wearing a jersey to work today, too. So I left it up to you, the Twitter voters. Was it going to be a number seven mantle? No name, obviously. Pinstripe one. Or a, a black Piazza jersey. And actually, it was a really close vote on Twitter this time. 53% of the vote, though. Went to Mike Piazza, so I am here wearing that black number 31, nice Italian-American Mike Piazza. But, you know, I can't help but sit here and reflect on if that vote is an indication of which set of fans or which fan base is more excited, more amped up about their team this season. And if it is, well, then Mets fans are clearly more excited for baseball to begin, I guess. At least the Mets got the post-lockout flurry of activity memo. It, you know, it must have gotten lost in the mail on its way to the Bronx and to Tampa. I mean, it had to have. That's the only explanation. And, 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 and what's that, Paul? Okay, we're going to check in right now at Yankee headquarters. Shh, just as we all suspected. The Yankees, despite signing Tim LaCastro, are still fast asleep. And like bears, the actual animals, not the team in Chicago, the Yankees are like bears that are still in hibernation mode right now, I'd venture to guess. But unlike bears who eat and drink nonstop to gear up for their hibernation, the Yankees did none of that before baseball hibernation, which was the lockout, occurred. And now, as the players are hitting in batting cages in Tampa, probably not as we speak, but just a couple hours ago even, the people inside the Yankees' war room are still sleeping. We talked just last night about how the biggest disappointment so far with the New York Yankees, I thought, was that they look exactly the same right now, even still with Tim LaCastro signing, as they did last season. We talked just last night, about how that's a problem. And before I say this, I want to preface it with, listen, I know that he's not responsible for constructing this team and putting this team as it's currently constructed on the field. But man, what Aaron Boone had to say about the Yankees uh, this morning to reporters in Tampa was just maddening, confounding, and able to be filed under things that make you say, huh? And we'll start with the fact that he said we can win now with what we have. Wait, 
Did you just hear the record, record scratch? Because this team, the same team as the 2001 Yankees that finished third in the AL East and got bounced by the Red Sox in the playing game, you can win now with what you have? Like, a game that the Red Sox took a 2-0 lead on the Yankees before they even got through their batting order the Yankees. So that team, that team can win now with what they have? They couldn't even win a wild card game last season with what they had. I mean, let's go around. Let's go around. Let's look at first base first. The Yankees' official depth chart reads number one, Luke Voigt, number two, DJ LeMahieu, and number three, Miguel Andujar. That Miguel Andujar, besides injury concerns there, and that's another story, he has exactly 17 innings of experience as a first baseman. 17! But back to the starting first baseman, Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, who just last season alone, took four separate trips to the injured list, an oblique and three times with the knee. And finally, he was placed on the 60-day IL on September 30th. Luke Voigt, who didn't even as so much glance in the direction of the reporters as he made his grand entrance to start the season this morning. Luke Voigt, who said on August 17th, I want to play. I know it's going to be tough with Rizzo, but I deserve to play as much as he does. No, sir, that's not true. Anthony Rizzo is a better first baseman than you will ever be. And the difference defensively was noticeable and immediate. And my first day with the credential at Yankee Stadium was Anthony Rizzo's first day there, too, last summer. And in the days that followed, you saw the catchers taking shots down to first base to try to catch a runner leading out over his right leg too far. Rizzo tiptoed in behind the runner, and the catcher would try to throw him down, throw him out. And that was something that was never really done with Luke Voigt at first base. So I asked Kyle Higashioka a few days later, after my first day, after Rizzo's first day, whose idea it was to do that. Yeah, guess whose? Rizzo's. Now, before everyone starts playing Fantasy GM today for this show, we will operate <clears throat> excuse me, under the premise that the Yankees will be adding a mega deal for Aaron Judge to a payroll that already includes Garrett Cole's base salary of $36 million this season and Giancarlo's base salary of $29 million this season. So let's keep that straight. And my order of operations, working under the Yankees' constraints, my recommendation would be in this order for first base, which, by the way, if you're a fan of the show, you know this has always been in this order. A, forget about Freddie Freeman, although he is far and away the most talented of the bunch because his estimated contract, five years with an AAV of $27.1 million, well, then if then it's, it's just too rich for the Yankees' blood at that point. And you know what? I can't believe I just said that. B, and probably the best case scenario, would be to trade. Trade for Matt Olson. You give him Glaber Torres, who really doesn't seem to have a spot on this infield anymore. You give him Luke Voigt, who can go ahead and prove himself that he's an everyday first baseman somewhere else. And you throw in two prospects. Untouchable for me, Anthony Volpe. You going to part with Peraza? Maybe. Or, or, or another option, C, you bite the dollar amount bullet and you re-sign Rizzo, who's cheaper than Freeman for one year less. He's about, let me do some quick math, uh, about $8 million cheaper than than, um, than Freeman annually. And both of those figures, by the way, come from Track. 
So in conclusion, I, I say you do anything you can to not have Luke Voigt as your everyday first baseman this year. Oh, this year, that started today. <laughs> Who's playing first base for the Yankees? It sounds like a joke. And what about shortstop? Well, this is what Aaron Boone, who, again, I know does not put the product on the field. But here's what he had to say about who's going to be playing shortstop for the Yankees this season. So we'll just let that situation shake out. And, and, you know, you know, I'm sure there's still things to be done across the game and certainly with us that that are going to, you know, change that landscape potentially along the way. Mixed in there, obviously. Yeah, and that was Aaron Boone this morning. So it's officially official. The Yankees' shortstop one is Gio Urshela. Aaron Boone confirmed it this morning, what we just talked about last night on my show. Let the situation shake out. What a disaster. How lucky Yankee fans were to see Tarek Jeter's number two and then D.D. Gregorius's number 18 out there at shortstop every year from 1996 through 2019. Now... The Yankees have an entire left side of the infield that will be playing out of position defensively, all because Glaber Torres could not handle playing shortstop. He was eaten up out there. So now, as it stands right now, Gio Urshela, a third baseman by trade, is the Yankees' opening day shortstop. DJ LeMahieu, a second baseman by trade, is now the Yankees' opening day third baseman. Not what you want to hear If you're a Yankee fan, what are they doing? And as far as the shortstop position, Boone also said the landscape could change along the way. You heard him. I'll tell you right now, if they're waiting for either Carlos Correa or Trevor Story, I said it last night, I'll say it again today, they're making a huge mistake. Because both Carlos Correa and Trevor Story do not fit the Yankees, quote-unquote, air quotes here, budget and their timetable. The market value per spot track says story, eight-year deal worth $29.8 million annually. Correa, a 10-year deal worth $26.6 million annually. Besides those contract numbers not quite computing in my brain with what the Yankees have already on their books, I can't forget about the not one but two shortstop prospects that the Yankees currently have in their minor league system, one of which, Anthony Volpe, we just talked about. He's number 15. He's the 15th best prospect in Major League Baseball. That's not according to me. That's according to the league. And he's expected to make his debut next season. So why would you sign a free agent mega shortstop, both of which, both of whom have injury concerns too, by the way, to an 8- or a 10-year deal now? Based on tracks estimations in terms of length of the deal, both Story and Correa at their contracts end, if they were to sign those deals, they're going to be 37-year-old middle infielders. Okay, you move around a little bit, you play third base, but, but they also have to agree to that too. And maybe you sitting listening right now are saying, whatever, forget the prospects, just give me a proven superstar. Well, under Hal's operating procedures, you, you sign either of those two guys, Correa or Story, and you can kiss your superstar right fielder goodbye, your homegrown Yankee goodbye. Because honestly, in that scenario, you might even look to trade Aaron Judge at the deadline if you're following your own logic. At least you'd get something for him, right? Because four of those mega deals on the books is not sustainable for this Yankees team. It's just not. These are not George Steinbrenner's Yankees anymore. So stop with that. 
The Yankees don't print money anymore. So to sign Carlos Correa or Trevor Story to a monster contract would be a gigantic mistake. It is just not sustainable. Oh, but wait. The Yankees made a signing this late this afternoon, about 90 minutes ago. Tim LaCastro, which is great. He was part of the contingent of Yankees that completely changed the complexion of how they played, right? Fast on the base pass, taking extra bases, things like that. But Yankee fans, they're not waiting on a one-year Tim LaCastro deal, if you know what I mean. And as far as the Mets, if this Pitbull and, and, and Blake Shelton remake of a classic does not capture the essence of what it means to be a Mets fan right now, I don't know what does. good time because this is going to be an exciting season for you. The Mets stated their offseason goals and they have been methodically checking them off. Center fielder, check. Starling Marte, don't forget about that. Starting pitching, check, check. Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett, we'll talk more about him in a second. Bullpen, check. This afternoon, Adam Onovino. Well, I guess it's not officially official, but you know what I mean. And before we dissect each of the two deals that the Mets made just last night and this afternoon, my question for those of you Mets fans ready to call in, what's left on the to-do list? So we'll take the most recent. As of 12.59 p.m. today, Joel Sherman tweeted that the Mets inked or about to ink Adam Ottavino to a deal. Turns out it's a one-year prove-it deal for $4 million and up to $1 million in performance bonuses. You know, I love these types of contracts, especially for pitchers. Adovino, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, he was good in his career. He was good. through, And he was even great in that first season with the Yankees. I mean, he was, he was lethally light out in that first season with the Yankees in 2019. I mean, the guy finished with a 1-9 ERA. But in the two seasons since then, his ERA has ballooned to 4.59. So... Lots to prove for Adam Ottavino on a team-friendly, one-year, air quotes here, cheap contract. So I'd be good with that if I were a Met fan for right now. If he doesn't pan out, you're really not missing that money. And as the news broke during a commercial break, I went downstairs to grab Madeline Burke, my in-studio guest. You can listen on demand to that whole hour. She's fantastic. But we got back up from the elevator, and Rosenberg is like, hey, go check uh, Passon's Twitter. Mets made a deal. Came running in here, checked it, and yeah, Chris Bassett. The Mets traded for Chris Bassett. So coming back from that very commercial, I told Mets fans they should be really excited for a few reasons, as we discussed last night, but we'll do again now. A, the Mets traded two minor leaguers, no higher than their number five prospect, JT Ginn, for a proven pitcher. To me, that's a good deal. Because Mets fans, I I don't know uh, if you know this, and, and I know this is somewhat of a foreign territory for you, but... This team, as it's built right now and as it continues to be built, absolutely, is in win-now mode. And B, this guy's a workhorse. He logs a ton of innings, a ton of steady innings, which is what you need if you're the Mets with two, let's be honest, question marks at the top of the rotation with the extent of the DeGrom and Scherzer injuries. But Scherzer is already stretched out to three innings and 50 pitches, which is a good sign. DeGrom threw off a mound today, and he said he's got no concerns, or apparently that's the story surrounding it. He'll speak to the media tomorrow for himself. And see, and if Chris Bassett is your third starter for most of the season, you're in really good shape. 
He's got the lowest ERA since the start of the 2020 season, minimum 200 innings pitched, which is the seventh best in the league. Scherzer, by the way, with his 281 is the fourth best in the league. And there's this stat that measures how effective pitchers are when they keep runners off the base paths. Chris Bassett's 2021 number, minimum 100 batters, is sandwiched between Brandon Woodruff and Robbie Ray. Woodruff keeps runners off the base paths most effectively in the league. Last year, Bassett was number two, and Robbie Ray was number three. What company, right? There is, I see one issue that I have with the top four pitchers in the Mets rotation so far. I want you to listen. I want you to see if you can figure out what what these four guys all have in common. DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Walker. They're all right-handed pitchers. I think that has the potential to be disadvantageous. And the fifth guy, you ask? The fifth guy? Well, then it's a pick among these right-handed pitchers. Carrasco, uh, Tyler McGill, Williams, Yamamoto. And the only lefty is, is Peterson. So that makes me think that the Mets are not yet done tweaking that starting rotation. There's got to be a lefty in there, like right? So what they are done tweaking, though, it seems, is the batting order. GM Epler said just, I don't know, at 3 o'clock, about two hour, less than two hours ago, or a little over two hours ago, he said, GM Epler said that the, he would be, quote, fairly surprised if the Mets added another hitter. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Alexa, play WFAN. Hey, welcome back to Danielle at Dinner Time here on The Fan in New York City. I am Danielle McCartan with you to 6. So if anybody's giving us a call tonight, let's keep them short. Let's keep it brief. I want everybody to get on. Make your point very concisely. Okay, everybody? So here's where we are in the state of New York baseball. Isn't it great to actually talk about real baseball again, right? But in the state of New York, baseball is this at the moment. The Mets made moves before the lockout, including the centerpiece of their offseason free agency acquisitions. Obviously, Max Scherzer. The Mets made a move after the lockout to significantly bolster their starting pitching rotation, Chris Bassett, and, of course, Adam Adovino in, in the relief uh, role. And you can't forget about Starling Marte as well. And the Yankees have done nothing. I mean, Tim LaCastro, but otherwise nothing before and or after the lockout. Aaron Boone told reporters in Tampa this morning, we could win now with what we have. And I question, wait, what, th- this team? This team? Yankee fans, tell us what you think about that. And Mets fans, who else is on your wish list? 877-337-6666. And if you can't get through, you can tweet me. Good ones get on the air, of course, uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. In the order that you call, we'll go Greg and Rockland. You're up first on the fan. You're the leadoff of the day. Yeah, how you doing? Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, at 270 pounds, I'm not a typical leadoff hitter, but be that as it may. <laughs> um, uh one thing I've got, I'm, I think I'm going to start a movement. I'm going to create a new website. Okay. No more black jerseys. Burn the black jerseys. What? Realize the entire Met season oh, turned oh on the introduction of the black jerseys. Take a look at the their 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 uh, Mets uh, record after and before the black jerseys. Greg, it had they nothing. It had nothing to do. Oh, it had. I'm telling you, it was the black jerseys. Greg, it had it had nothing <laughs> to do with the fact that Degrom went down from the count. No, not couldn't the have been kiss that. Kiss of death. I'm telling you. The oh. Kiss of death. Well, they look cool. Anyway, look, they're <laughs> softball uniforms anyway. 
Um, so in terms of the I'm Mets, with that. really, I think that I think what they should probably do is a high-end lefty reliever. I think beyond that, I think they've got the depth in the rotation, picking up this guy from the A's. Um, and I think they're in pretty good shape. Um, sure. Uh, the the one question I would have is you've got you're throwing most likely five right-handed starting pitchers. That that has the potential to be a problem. The potential. Ken in Queens, you're up on the fan. Yes. Hi, Danielle. I spoke last week to you. I wanted them to spend that Oakland deal last week. I wanted Montos or Manaya, who is a lefty, and uh, and they're gonna get a chance to get Chapman, who I thought would be great for the Mets. I'm okay with Bassett. I didn't realize he was 33 years old, so mm-hmm. he's no young spring chicken. Right. As far as Adovino, man, we just got rid of a guy who I couldn't stand for, for two years. <laughs> now we get a, this guy implodes. I watch, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I watched every time mm-hmm. Boston played the Yankees. I said, whoop. Alvaro comes in, this game is over. Sure enough, gives up two runs, two walks, game's over every yeah. time. I don't know why they signed him. They're going cheap on the relief pitching. Why? They need relief pitching. Why not Ryan Tepper or uh, Chafin from Oakland? Come on, we need a good lefty. What about Chafin? If they get hand, I'll, I'll go off the deep end tonight because <laughs> I hate Brad Hand. Also, he also implodes against the Yankees all the time. If you watch him pitch, the Yankees got his number in their back pocket. So please, who do I want? I want Schwerber. I want another pitcher, hopefully left hand. I would love Sean Nye. I don't know if they're going to well, you know, still listen, deal with Oakland. Your GM, your GM told you that he's pretty much set on the uh, on the batting order, on the hitters. They're going to focus on pitching. So it's kind of good and bad news. Probably they're not done signing or going after some relief pitchers. Probably. That's my guess. But as far as the hitters, uh, done deal. Wow. I like Schwab. I think they still need a, another good lefty hitter in that lineup. Yeah, well, your GM doesn't seem to think so. He said. and can well, the, the, How about Peterson? Jack Peterson from the uh, Braves and Dodgers. That's I fine, love Ken. That guy. Ken, Ken you can gamer. name you can name every hitter in the league. But your GM said he would be fairly surprised. That's the quote. If the Mets added another hitter, he said it just two hours ago. Fairly surprised. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. Um, my reaction to Lacastro signing. Yawn. That's my reaction to Lacastro. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, there's nothing exciting there. But as far as the Mets, listen. Ottavino, yeah, he struggled a little bit, but he was the first year. You're right; he was good with the Yanks. I'm okay with that. About this call, the call, the last call, I just touched on it. Familia being gone, I am relieved, happy, and of all places, to Philly to see the see the him fold like that's going to make me very very happy over there because those fans are going to eat him up alive. Now, yeah. I had a question I was going to ask you yesterday about the Mets, and I didn't get enough time to ask you. Sure, I know that they're done adding a bat, but you just said they they need more relief pitching. So my question to you, there's been rumors that Smith, McNeil, or Davis could be traded. Yeah. So my question is, will one of them be traded for a either another starter, which I don't think it's going to be likely because they have a lot of depth now, or uh, uh, like a Josh Sheeter type of reliever? Because there's been hater rumors out there, too. So would one of those three, who are still very controllable, 
are they good enough to get a, a quality relief pitch in there? Uh, that was what I was going to ask you yesterday. Yeah, but Kevin. I forgot to ask you. That's okay. Good question. Um, I would say that um, – it's not just going to be, you know, straight up trade. The Mets are going to have to throw in some more prospects and 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 for for a hater, let's just say. And are they willing to do it? They just dealt JT Ginn. I mean, we just talked about how the Mets are in win now mode absolutely. If it were me, I would do it. Because as as everybody's pointing out tonight that these these starting pitchers, their average age, most of them I think it's it's over 30. It's got to be over 30, the average age for the top 4 at least. So they're not getting any younger. The Mets should absolutely push all the chips into the center and go ahead and do it. Do it. And on the back end, they're going to have to have to bolster the minor league somehow. But for right now, I say do it. Neil in Smithtown, you're up on the fan. Hey, good afternoon, Danielle. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for making uh, it. I just wanted to I'll appreciate it. I, uh, Always enjoy listening to you. I just want to talk a little bit about the Mets, what they might still need. Yeah. I'm a lifelong Mets fan. I'd love to see him bring in a lefty uh, starter, although I don't know. There seem to be never enough starters. So if they can add that much more depth to the yes. rotation, I think that would be optimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do need a lefty reliever. They have nobody really legitimately lefty in, in the pen. And I, I don't mind Adovito so much. I know he can be a little erratic, but if you look at his numbers over the last, say, four seasons, well, almost 12 strikeouts per nine. Right, but you'll uh, see this. You'll see the ERA. There's a marked difference between the first, you just mentioned four, the first two seasons and the last two seasons. There is a marked difference in the ERA. He's, he's you know, so let's. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But also, he's kind of like a replacement for Familia and. I think we were paying about ten million per from Familia, so it's four million on a one year. Right, it's worth the gamble. Well, yeah, that's. And then, it. I, I agree with you on and, that. And then I think we need a left-handed. We really don't really have a legitimate fourth outfielder. I think beyond the two guys that we picked up from the A's and Brandon Nemo, we can't really rely on say uh, Dom playing much left or, or or McNeil for that matter. I think McNeil's better slot if it's second. So I'd love to see him pick up a legitimate fourth outfielder, a left-handed bat to to balance out what we're losing with Conforto. Um, beyond that, I think the team will be in nice shape. They really need to pick up those three lefties, and then I think we'd be ready for the season. If if they, I think if uh, Apple is saying, well, you know, we really don't want to make any more moves in the lineup, you might just be calling other teams bluffs because that'll give them leverage in terms of what they're trading. Yeah, could be. But, um, and the, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is because there's been a lot of talk on the fan about Anthony Volpe, and Yankee fans won everything yesterday. And, and baseball fans won everything yesterday, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I happened to have the pleasure of uh, sitting uh, down in, at uh, his dad's house. I was over there about two months ago because mm-hmm. one of his best friends from growing up is, uh, said, hey, you want to take a ride over to uh, Anthony Volpe's dad's house? Mm-hmm. I go, sure, where's your living? He goes, Jersey. I go, okay, let's go. And we were off, so we stopped at... Uh, a pizzeria down in the village, and then we were on our way. And it was great because uh, he's so excited about his kid and for good reason. He's something special. Uh, you know, the way I see it, maybe the Yankees bring Peraza up late in the year, and they just maybe they bring in a stopgap. You know, who knows? Maybe they pick up Rosario from the Indians. Where, you know, somebody just to fill in the year until he's ready because I think this kid's going to be in AAA before the end of the year. Yeah. And then he'll be ready by maybe 21. He'll be. I don't think he'll be the next Jeter, but uh, there's really something special about him. Agreed. He worked, he worked on his um, throwing mechanics. His yep. Pit, 
Exactly. He went to Wake Forest for that. Correct. He also, he also, from what his dad told me, has the lowest strikeout rate in the Yankee organization at 13%. And you know what Anthony Volpe told me? He said it's it's still too high. Well, that's the thing about him. I know his dad, and his dad, when I knew him before he became a doctor, just he seemed very determined, and yep. he's got that kind of work ethic. That, you know, his dad is like me from Comac, New York, where, you know, when you when you were a kid, you didn't weren't necessarily handed things like you are today. Um, so it's a whole different work ethic that he instilled in his son, and mm-hmm. it really sure, is Neil. really is going to be looking forward to seeing him when he kind of makes it to the Yankees. Because the other thing is, too, I have a connection to both teams. My cousin Arthur Richmond used to work for both clubs. He was a well, look at for you. Both clubs. Well, it's the baseball has always been in my blood because uh, you know since my little, I was a little kid, my uh, my. my it was my dad's cousin, my first, dad's first cousin. All right, Neil, we, 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 we don't need the whole family history here. We're on a oh, short sorry. timer tonight. Oh, if, give me a call next sorry, weekend, okay? Sorry. <laughs> All good. But appreciate it. Thank you, Neil. Thanks yeah, for no, that. He used to get a full time to stay ticket, so it's always been a cool. Very cool. Um, so, um, Anthony Volpe, by the way, local kid. Dad listens to the radio station. Bob in Syosset, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Uh, yeah, I think the problem with the Yankees is uh, Cashman's got. A lot of chips to move, a lot of valuable chips. He wants to bring in some valuable chips. I think he's just got a lot on the table, a lot of movement to make, and it's going to be very complicated, and there's going to be other teams involved. So he's like sitting on a volcano or a bunch of dominoes, or like once something happens, one thing's going to fall right after the other, and there's going to be a lot of movement. I think that's why he's doing nothing, because he's just waiting for it all to coordinate together. That's what I think. Well, that's why he's not doing anything. Well, that's the the prayer of all Yankee fans, right? I, I had someone uh, tweet me. I think it was yesterday or Instagram, whatever. He said, "Hey, Danielle, I'm in church right now and I'm praying for Freddie Freeman." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you Yankee fans are praying for about five other different guys as well. I mean, <laughs> I they know. would want Correa, you know, or Freeman, or Rizzo, or or Olson, right? There's a lot of guys out there that the Yankees may want. If you're a different Yankee fan, you might want a different player. But that's what I'm saying, though. There's a lot of players that Voight might want to go. He might want to get rid of a few players. He's got to make room. Yeah. He could pull a big trigger and trade Torres. I mean, he's got a lot. He's got a lot. And he just can't do these things one at a time. So it brings in Rizzo, the, three, the two or three other first basemen he can't bring in anymore. You know, So yeah. it's just very complicated. Very complicated. He's got a lot on the table. Right I now. get it, Bob. But he had since December 2nd to get all these things in line here. I mean, what are we waiting for? Let's just go and do it. <laughs> He's waiting for the other teams, I guess. Come I on. Know. Come on. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know there, Joe. <laughs> Oh man! Well, thanks. Be patient. Be, 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 we practice patience for a long time. <laughs> yeah. A little more patience. I am probably the, the least patient person on the on this planet, most likely, probably. Uh, I hope though. I'll bet I'll be back uh, next Sunday. Uh, I think it's one o'clock p.m. or could it be four o'clock p.m. Sometime in the next Sunday afternoon, I'll be back. Hopefully by then the Yankees w- will look different than they do right now. Because as Aaron Boone says. We can win now with with what we have. Uh, I'm not buying it. I am not buying it. Uh, Let's go. Can we do? Yeah, one more. Jim in Milford. You're up. Is that Milford, Connecticut? Yes. Yes, it is. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Hi. Just a couple of points. Um, First of all, you said you didn't think the Yankees should probably get um, Freddie Freeman. And you thought that uh, possibly a trade 
with the A's for Matt Olson would work. Yeah, and me, I think you offered up. Jimmy, le, Jim, let me just, uh, let's clarify for anybody that's getting in their car right now. Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman available. Absolutely. He is, by far. So, yeah, you, that wasn't your reason. No, my, you, but you my reason was. You about the price tag. Yes, the price tag and the length is what yeah. I was concerned. Five years, I think it's $29 million, well, I think. And, 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 and signing him would be fine. It would be great. Yeah. But. That I, I think, in my own opinion, based on the way the Yankees' math have, has been working on the books, I think that would mean an automatic sacrifice of Aaron Judge. Now, why do you say that? Can't the Yankees go over the uh, luxury tax level? Oh, they could. They, they could do that. They, they have could. the money. They're unwilling that to. That would never have stopped George Steinbrenner. I know, but this Hal is Hal. Is a different person. Yeah, I know that, but this is Hal, and he is unwilling yeah. to. We told you that last year. I think the Yankee fans would like it, and uh, they should possibly even expect it. I think at this point, Hal's got to do something. And to bring in the best first baseman that's available would uh, would do the trick. A trade for Luke Voigt and two prospects, one of which might be Oswald Peraza. Uh, I don't think that would work. It wouldn't be enough. Um, and Torres? And we don't, well, Torres, yes. Okay. Torres is, would have some value, but not Voigt. And two of the, the prospects, one of which is Oswald Peraza, the Yankees wouldn't want to part with him at this point. Uh, well, they do have a cushion of Volpe. Yeah, they do, but the two of them, who knows? You know, they're both top prospects. One might make it, the other one might not. Who knows which one it might be? Volpe looks really good right now, but so does Peraza. Well, listen, the, when you look at the, the MLB pipeline, you look at, you yeah. know, you got Volpe. They're due in the same in the same year. They're both due in 2023. Yes. So you, you got Volpe, who, who's ranked, I'm looking at it right now, well, he's 15th, and you got uh, Peraza, who's ranked... 58th. Yeah. So if you're parting with one of the two of them, you go with the lower guy, Peraza. Yeah, and, and actually you would. You but would. I still think it's a safeguard to hold on to both of them just to make sure nobody gets injured and to see which one works out. The other point I wanted to make, and I know you're pressed for time, I just yeah. want to make this one last point. Geo at shortstop, I'm okay with that because here's, here's why. It's possible that Volpe will make it to the big leagues at some point midseason. I, I know that's a long shot. But the kid has shown tremendous promise. He's got the desire and the drive. And it's possible that at midseason, he'll be up to the big club. He might move from double-A to triple-A right up to the majors by midseason. Well, so listen, Gio is a stopgap for me. Until then, okay. I yeah. don't know. Because that means that, that DJ LeMay, he was also playing out of position. It's just the left side of the infield is, is not strong. And defense was not the Yankees' strong point. I mean, at what point do you say, all right, you know what? Having DJ out of position and, and um, Urshela out of position, at what point does it say the tipping point is like, you know what, we'll just put Glaber Torres back at, at shortstop. At, at what point do you make that decision if you are, you know, the Yankees front office? Because I know it's not just a singular person making that decision anymore. All right. Uh, you know what? Something happened in my classroom the other day, uh, Friday, that I just wanted to bring to everybody's attention because it was a good little learning lesson. And we'll hit that and we'll finish up here on the fan with your Yankees and Mets calls. Uh, I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 6. No 90s, no problems. It's like the perfect mixtape. Your favorite hip-hop and rock from the 90s and then some. Featuring songs from Dr. Dre, Nirvana, Snoop Dogg, Beastie Boys, and more. Search for Mo 90s, no problems on the Odyssey app to listen. Hey, welcome back. Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. Real quick, I want to tell you something, of course, that it, it, it um, relates back to, to sports, as always, as the sports show deserves to be that way. Uh, but John Heyman just tweeted something right before the break there. He said, as far as they know, Yankees are still in on Freddie Freeman, though chances are unclear. 
Conventional wisdom suggests Braves or Dodgers. That's me saying, obviously. His current and boy- boyhood home areas remain favored, much as riding and waiting on this. Um, so I'm walking out of the door of my classroom on Friday. I teach during the week, in case you, you're not familiar with uh, with my work schedule. I work seven days a week. And, um, you know, I almost did not take a picture of what I had written on my board. But then, you know what? I stopped. I stepped backwards. I snapped a picture. I posted it. As part of a much larger cultural lesson, I teach Italian during the week, if you didn't know. Um, I asked the kids to name an Italian-American male and an Italian-American female athlete. And most of them struggled to find the female one. So capitalizing and realizing a teachable moment, keep in mind the attention span of kids, everybody. I briefly introduced them to Diana Tarazzi and Elena Delle Donne. And they were shocked to see that Delle Donne, in English, is 6'5". So I posted a picture of my whiteboard online, and everyone started across all of my social media channels, at Coach McCartan on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Everybody just started adding their own contributions. I mean, dozens upon dozens of responses. Mary Lou Retton, uh, Jennifer Capriati, uh, Christy Rampone, people were saying, Mary Carrillo, Hope Solo, which I thought was awesome. So good for you guys that contributed to that. Really liked it. And there's the Yankee tie-in. So one of the many male American athletes mentioned in my last period class was Anthony Rizzo. And we've talked already today about who will be playing shortstop for the Yankees this season. But as far as I'm concerned, they also have a hole at first base. I do not want to see Luke Voigt at first base for the Yankees moving forward. And Freddie Freeman hasn't moved yet. So Yankee fans, I appeal to you. Are you running it back with Luke Voigt as your first baseman? DJ LeMay, who has your number two first baseman. And yeah, I listed on the depth chart right now at number three is Miguel Andujar. He's had 17, exactly, 17 games of experience as a first baseman. He's your number three. I mean, really. So, are, are, or you're you running it back with Luke Voigt. Are you selling the farm for Matt Olson? Or are you poning it up for, for Anthony Rizzo, who, according to Spot Track, would garner a $22 million AAV, which I rounded up just slightly. Uh, to the nearest million. So here's my order of operations. Trade for Olsen. If that doesn't work, you sign Rizzo. And there's no way, I'd hate to say this, but you'd have to operate with Voight. I just think, <clears throat> despite what Heyman says, I just think the Yankees are um, out of the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. I mean, he is by far among the, don't get this twisted, he's by far among the th- three guys that I just mentioned, Rizzo, Olsen, Voight, and then Freeman, he's by far the most talented guy there. I just don't think the Yankees have have a real shot of getting him. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't think they do. So let's just say the first base scenario and the shortstop scenario is not great for the New York Yankees as we sit at 551 on Sunday, the 13th of March. Douglas in the Bronx, you are up next on the fan. Hello, Danielle. What's up, Douglas? I'm doing fine. Just a quick college basketball note. Sure. Iowa Hawks. Iowa Hawkeyes just won the Big Ten tournament. Whoa. They beat Purdue 75-66. Quick shout-out to my friends, Jason Jacobs, Scott Nolte. They're both radio personalities. They broadcast in the towns of Spencer and Spirit Lake in northwest Iowa. To say that they're ecstatic right now is an understatement. <laughs> and on the Iowa Hawkeyes team, it's a guard named Joe Tassant. He hails from the Bronx. He made four steals today, so right. congratulations to Iowa. Local kid, right. I like okay. that. I like the little local flair there. Good. Nice tie-in. Yeah, it's great. So, 
uh, back to baseball. So today is the start of the new year, mm-hmm. but we get the same old classic Aaron Boone soundbite. Oh, oh yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So cringeworthy. But I think that's exactly what management likes. Um, I, I got a musical suggestion, if you, if ever, these future soundbites. Mm-hmm. There was a uh, song by this dance group, CNC Music Factory. Oh, it's yeah. called Things That Make You Go, hmm. <laughs> okay. I think, I think that would fit great. Yeah. So, um, to piggyback from last night, you were talking about the things that you liked and disliked about. Wait, Douglas, before we, before we start changing the subject here, I just, and I'll let you finish, okay. but I just wanted to interrupt, interrupt you and just say this, that, listen, Aaron Boone's not going to get up there and say, yeah, we stink. Yeah, we, we missed out on this guy. We wanted that guy. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, yeah, you know, we're competitive. We could win. You want him to say things like that. It's just, it's not, it's not him. It, it's the front office that has been just stagnant. And you're like, are you alive? <laughs> are you there? So I get yeah. it. I get it. P- people are like, you, and- you can't slam him. Yeah, but I, I know that. I know that. But listen, it's time to make a move. Yeah, for us Yankee fans, the same question marks we had before the lockout, we still have, and we don't know if they'll ever get resolved. Right. So exactly. That's the point. Things, yeah, I mean that's the frustrating part, and <laughs> we're not getting a lifeline from Aaron Boone. That's that's and that's the other uh, that's the other frustrating part too. So uh, what you said about last night, the things you liked and didn't like. Yeah. The one other note, I want to get your take on this. They're going to have a balance, a more balanced schedule in 2023. Mm. That's where less. In, uh, intra-divisional games, yes. but more, uh, every team plays each other at least for one series. So yeah. what did you think about that? You know, I, I thought about that, Douglas, and thanks for that. I did think about that, and, and selfishly, I did think about that for myself, and I'm thinking like, wow. So in my quest to finish up my last 10 stadiums, you know, as a fan, I'm like, wow, I, c- I could really get a good chance of maybe seeing either the Yankees or the Mets in these games. Um, to me, it, it doesn't matter you know, as a as a fan, it doesn't matter to me. I actually kind of like it as a fan because, like I just said, maybe you can get to a game where it's it's uh, Yankees or Mets playing, and I would like that. I always try to find like when I go to these stadiums, I always try to find a, a New York team playing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work with you know with everything I got going on. But that for as a fan, that'd be great. But I understand from a team standpoint, you know, you're missing you're missing out on you know the big market teams coming coming to town if you're a small market team. All right, Paul in Little Falls, he says he's a Yankee fan, so he's going to be the Mariano Rivera, I think, of the show today, Paul. What's up? <laughs> yes, hello. How are you today, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? We're doing all right. I've been a Yankee fan since Mickey's knees were bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, as far as the team goes, as far as the positional players goes, if, if this was my team, there would be only four players on, on the field that I would keep. Judge, Stanton, Urshela, and... Um, and uh, Lemayu. Wait, say Those that slower. Four Ju- guys I keep. You're keeping them now, Judge, are, Stanton, who? Lemayu? Judge, Stanton, Urshela, and Lemayu. Okay. Those are the four guys I would definitely keep. Okay. Now, you said there was a hole at first base. Mm-hmm. Well, if you decide on Rizzo, mm-hmm. uh, if you decide on Rizzo, mm-hmm. then Lemayu plays second. Yep. You use, you use uh, Glaber. You trade him for a good shortstop. Yes. That seems to... Fix that, fix that problem. And if you want to decide on Lemayu playing first, then you keep, then you keep Glaber on second. Then everybody's in trade, and then you trade Rizzo for your shortstop. Well, Rizzo's Just not a Yankee. Everybody, well, Rizzo's not. not Rizzo's a free agent. You can't, you can't trade him. He's not yours to trade. 
No, we can't do that, huh? <laughs> you can't that, do that part. There, there's got to be some way to do that because you know, if, if we, if we want to keep Sanchez, as, as far as I'm concerned, oh. Sanchez should be a DH and nothing else. Well, Sanchez, he it, yeah, he he's, he should. He is such Gary Sanchez. We haven't even talked about Gary Sanchez this weekend. Paul, you brought him up. He is such mm-hmm. still a defensive liability. I don't want to see these 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 videos of of Gary Sanchez in the batting cages. I want to see these videos of Gary Sanchez, who is literally on his knees, learning how to turn his glove the right way, fingertips down, and use his chest protector to block the balls in the dirt. That's what those are the videos that I want to see of Gary Sanchez coming out of the spring training this upcoming week. That would be very nice. Judges definitely Stanton's got to play the field because he he was a he turned into a much better player once he was engaged completely in the game. Yeah, and guess now, what, Paul? I, I said that on the air. I did say that, and then it happened, and then I I look like a genius. I don't know how how long you've been listening, but I look like a genius after that. Good for you, babe. Um, the um, as far as the other your other two outfield guys with with Hicks and and. Uh, and Gallo, oh, I mean, yeah, well. Hicks is never on. Hicks is never on the field, and Gallo, uh, I don't get it. Is he? What, what's he there for? Comic relief? So I saw videos of Gallo today too. I watch, you know, I click, I click on all these videos. I, you know, it's it's fun to watch for the first couple times. And in Gallo, I watch, and I don't know if it was the particular moment that the reporter captured this video, or if it was that he was actually supposed to work on this. But every ball for like the sixty second duration of the video was pulled to right field. It was pulled to right yeah. field, and I'm like. I don't know. Listen, I don't know the context. Maybe he was working on that at that moment. But if I were a reporter there, I would try to showcase that him going to left field, going to left field. But hey, that's yeah. just me. I'm I'm here, not there. Yes, I know. And that's that brings me up to the to the new uh, to the new uh, contract they have as far as the new rule, the new rules. Yeah, expanding the shift. I'm glad they got rid of that runner off of second base. Yeah. The the pitch clock I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you should outlaw. I don't think you should outlaw the shot. How are you even going to how are you even going to enforce that? I mean, gee whiz, just just hit the ball the other way for crying out loud. These are big league hitters. So yeah. maybe I know, Paul. It's it's uh, it, but there's more to that. If you're curious, you can email me. I'll send you the whole thing I have about the shift. I did do a 180. But hey, it was a short show today. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done without this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. Hey, listen, if you missed any portion of today's show. Go back to about 4.30-ish. One week from today, next Sunday, 1 to 4, I'll be back. Paul Rosenberg behind the glass. Excellent job. Greg Caserta with the updates. Guys, hit my social media accounts throughout the week. Coach McCartan on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. We'll keep the conversation going. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next weekend, hopefully with some big Yankee news. And uh, Westwood 1's coverage of Selection Sunday. NCAA basketball fans, get